From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, in the spirit of Women's History Month, we have two dynamic women on the show today. First is Mississippi's Poet Laureate, professor and author Beth Ann Finley. We'll speak with her how she ended up in Mississippi and how she navigates life through her poetry and writing. Hey, later we'll speak with 15-year-old Maisie Brown, who, in the midst of being an academic scholar, is using her voice to make a difference. And you can join into that conversation at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, and I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy damp Monday out there. Hope you're having a great day, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to have an actual Poet Laureate on the show today. I know it. I know I'm shocked, too. No, it's fantastic. I'm looking forward to talking to her. It's Mississippi's one and only Beth Ann Finley, and she's going to be joining us. Uh, fantastic. She has got a new collection coming out called, uh, hang on just a second, Heating and Cooling. I just had a moment. You know, it's the time, <laughs> it's okay. cha- it's the time change, Sharita. It Are really you is. affected by it? Well, I mean, I tell you what, I was over in Eastern time during the time change, mm-hmm. which means that I did two hours. I spring oh. forward two hours, so oh. that'll mess with your oh, head. Boy. Yeah, yeah, I'm still not quite here, so I had that pause there for a second. Yeah, when I woke up yesterday, I was fine, but by the afternoon, I was completely worn out, so it's amazing how that works. Well, you know, I get up at 4 in the morning. Yeah. So that is... Is that um, by choice or by force? Well, Ooh. I do the boot camp at 5. Uh, okay. You know, since Paul isn't here today, we'll, we'll say bad things about him. He makes me get <laughs> up early in the morning, so that's, yeah, by choice. So usually by my lunch is eaten by 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready for to go to bed by noon, oh, wow. pretty much. So, big weekend this weekend. Did you have a good weekend? I had one gig this weekend. It was fun. I did comedy at a birthday party at Next Level Entertainment, which is where the Metro Center uh, is. Mm-hmm. So, it was fun. It was clean comedy, you know, no curse words, still funny. It was a Coming to America theme. Coming to America is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, so, there was a costume Is that really contest. your favorite movie of all time? Yes. Really? Yes, it is. Oh, yes. I love it. Okay. I cannot. If I see it on television, I'm going to stop and watch it. Like, I can't. I'm a huge Eddie Murphy fan anyway. So, yeah. Coming to America is one of my favorites by him, then Boomerang and some other things. Um, so, yeah, they they had a Coming to America costume contest, and that was fun. I hosted that. And, yeah, and I, I got free drinks. I don't know. This this uh, Jackson celebrity thing is working well for me. I'm starting to get free stuff. You know, that <laughs> right there is the number one reason to be a celebrity. Yeah. Exactly. You get free stuff. And yeah. I have yet to ever get anything free. Oh, I, I doubt it. Uh, You've not gotten free lunch, free dinner, free nothing? Well, I mean, yeah. If somebody's like, hey, Marshall, you look hungry. I'll come and buy you lunch. <laughs> yeah, I get if you, that's what you mean by free lunch. But no, I don't have people coming up saying, oh, man, you're awesome. I'm going to buy your lunch for you. No, yeah. never happens. <laughs> so and that is a <coughs> subtle hint anybody out there if you want to go out and buy. No, no anyway. Um, you can always get a free lunch here, though, with Deborah, of course, with the show before. Oh, my goodness. I'm eating some smoked chicken and rib tips, and I'm in love. Yeah, yeah that's why she's great. way more popular in this building than I am. Yeah, my breakfast has been horrible. I had salt and vinegar chips 
for breakfast too. So hey, yeah, this is not good. Potatoes. <laughs> I mean, they're they're vegetable. I guess. Okay. What did you do this weekend? Uh, went home. Uh, went home to check on my mother, who mm-hmm. has and been home for you was Atlanta. Yeah, in the Atlanta area, Marietta, uh, Georgia. Well, although you know, technically this is home because now you know it's funny. I feel like I'm coming home when I'm coming back to central time mm-hmm. and come back here because i've lived here a long time mississippi's home you know it's funny because uh beth ann finley has the same feeling that i do because she moved here about the same time i did mm-hmm. and she also has three children that are born here also like i do so i mean this is home but yeah i went to check on mom and check on the house and check what to go put flowers on my dad's grave i mean that's mm-hmm. not real exciting stuff but uh it was definitely important my dad's 82nd birthday is coming up of course we mm-hmm. lost him last july mm-hmm. and uh so it was kind of nice my sister and i were out there and we put flowers up for him and so forth so it was yeah. good but tell you what driving 800 miles in about 24 hours is enough to wipe you out oh my goodness i know uh. i was watching um a, a news clip roland martin was speaking with a woman named shelby J, who was really close to prince and she was just yeah. talking about how long it took her to grieve how she couldn't talk to the media she only wanted to be surrounded by her family while she was grieving prince but she said that he visits her a lot in her dreams wow and i have lots of folks like that i mean my great-grandmother visits me in my dreams a friend of mine whose mother just passed visits her in her dreams i was just wondering does your dad visit you in your dreams ever he has not now he has it, it's funny there are little moments that i have where i think of him when i really probably shouldn't think of him so i kind of feel like he's doing something there my grandmother's always really good about that now she'd always pop up my dreams and stuff i think she's mm-hmm. pretty active but that, you know i think dad's having you know finally some peace and i think mm. he's you know he's getting he's having a good time right now i think so yeah. um you know he's one of those kinds of guys he lived 100 percent till the very end and then it just got him you know yeah. he got dementia in the last couple of years were tough but mm-hmm. uh, my dad was you know when he was 40 he was eight years old you know, yeah, he, he was a yeah. kid. He was a kid. And I mm-hmm. think he's enjoying being a kid again. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But it was tough. And, you know, and I worry about mom and so forth. But didn't get to see any movies. I think I'm going to take a because it's spring break week. Gosh, did you notice traffic this morning was nice? I think all around the state of Mississippi, everybody who had to work this week was driving <laughs> in going, OK, everybody, you can just stay off for the rest of the year. You know, since I, I've graduated college. I've not even known when spring break is or when it was. The only way I know is my, my teacher friends on social media are talking about it. But when you become an adult, there is no spring break. Uh, really? No, you're really? Well, there's not for me. There is for my wife who teaches and, of course, for my three kids who are out this week. So I had to tiptoe out of the house this morning because if I'd awoken <laughs> any of them up, even the dog didn't even want to wake up this morning. She just raised her head, looked at me and shook her head and went Uh-oh. back down to sleep. So, yeah, it's spring break. A lot of people have got, and, you know, the Facebook pictures, the wonder kill me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, they're in New York they're skiing and everything else i look to the boys and go there you go yeah yeah well, it anywhere. definitely feels weird outside. It's been in the 80s, and today in Jackson, the low is 30-something, the high is 50-something. I'm like, what's what's happening with this weather? It's cold it's and so blue annoying. Season. Yeah, well, we did survive the big water scare here in Jackson over the weekend, so that was yes. good. They found enough Band-Aids, and they managed to get the pipe fixed, so that was good. Yeah, it, it was good. Um, you know, certain people had their doubts about um, who, who they wanted to blame for all of this. But I saw people on Facebook saying, you know, hey, Tony Yarber was not in office when some of these water issues were going. But I was thinking how easy it is for us to blame folks who were in office right. for old problems. I just thought that was interesting to see that, that conversation on Facebook. Well, let me put it this way. It is everybody's fault that has been in office because nobody on the planet wants to put any money into the ground. That is the worst feeling in the world for politicians to have to sink into infrastructure. So, I mean, you know, there are cities all across the southeast that have got the same problem. we got pipes that are 100 years old, and guess what? They break. But um, I'm just glad. I'm just 
glad for the city. We, we didn't need that to go on for two days. So anyway, we got Beth Ann Finley's going to be joining us here in just a second. And then also, and I'm kind of excited about that, and we're going to have Maisie Brown on. And she's a 15-year-old freshman at Jim Hill High School. But I tell you what, at 15, she's way ahead of where I was at 15. And probably she's way ahead of where I am at nearly 50. So she's a pretty amazing young lady, and we look forward to talking to her too. So very good. All right, we got Beth on the line right now. Fantastic. Yeah, hey. Beth Ann. Beth Ann, yeah. yes. it's good to see you. I, uh, sorry, it's the time change. I'm dropping words and everything else this morning, so I guess I hadn't had enough coffee. I mean, I just want to tell you real quick that, number one, it is an honor to be able to talk to you because I've been a fan for a long time. And also the fact that we have a very similar story from where we were born to um, ending up here in Mississippi and our commitment to Mississippi and the fact that we got three Mississippians now as kids. <laughs> Well, not together, but I mean, you have three and I have three. So, but I have to tell you this, I have to tell everybody that she has made the ultimate commitment. You've got five grave plots now in Oxford. So you are here to stay. Yes, that is true. We, we're not going anywhere now. Yes, you are definitely here. Now tell us how you got here, because I think it's a great story how you and your husband, Tom, made it here. Sure. Well, I am from a suburb of Chicago, and that's where I was raised, and I went to school in the Midwest, and I went to the graduate program at the University of Arkansas to study poetry, and I met Tommy there the first day of school, and it was the furthest north he had ever been and the furthest south I'd ever been. We met exactly in the middle, and um, after we got our degrees, we went back to Illinois to teach for a few years, and Tommy was offered the John and Renee Grisham Rider in Residency at Ole Miss. So we moved down here and just fell in love. And I I just, from the moment I got here, I felt it was home and that I never wanted to leave. And we, even though it was just a nine-month appointment, we were able to kind of finagle ways to stay and then got permanent jobs. And now, as you say, we have three children with Mississippi Draws and bought five plots in the, the cemetery just down the hill from Faulkner. I love that. It's right down the hill from Faulkner on that. I, have your kids ever come up? I mean, my, my nine-year-old came up to me one day and said, Dad, I hurt my finger. I went, what? <laughs> finger? What's, oh, is that pank? You know, I was like, oh, my gosh. Is that, so do you have that kind of thing? Do you have to work on the accents? Um, you know, I don't work on them in terms of correcting them. I just think they're adorable. Oh, I do, too. But, I just yeah. sent mine to, to military school in Maine. So I figured we'd beat that out of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You you actually did write one of my favorite pieces in the world. It was on Kutsu. Um, just because I've grown up here in the South and Kutsu, I think I lost a couple dogs to Kutsu. And um, th- that was absolutely beautiful. And, and what inspired that piece? And I, and I love how Claire Hawley kind of appropriated part of it, too. Oh, yeah. I was so honored that Claire Hawley, a Mississippi musician, um, turned the last part of that poem into a, a really beautiful song that's on her new album. But to answer your first question, the reason why I wrote that poem is because when I moved to Mississippi and it felt like home, I started thinking, what makes a place feel like home? And isn't it strange that the open Midwestern landscape, the prairies, Frank Lloyd Wright architecture, that should be what I respond to, what aesthetically pleases me. But instead, it was this landscape of Mississippi, and I thought, um, what does it mean to choose a home that's not your original home? How does landscape influence psychology? What does it mean when you choose your new home? In a way, you're rejecting your old home. And uh, I wanted to think of these issues of inheritance. And the the kind of key or the door um, that let me think about 
writing a poem about Mississippi was kudzu because when I got here, I got obsessed with it like everyone does who moves to the South because it's fascinating. And of course, we don't have it up north. And what I learned is that kudzu is not native to the South. Do you know where it's from, Marshall? It's from Japan. It's from Japan. Yeah, that's good. A lot of people don't know that. But yeah, it's from Japan. And they brought it over for the the World Expo in Philadelphia in 1876, and it grew better here than it ever did in Japan because they didn't bring the beetles that eat it. And so I started thinking, what does it mean to be a transplant who grows better in non-native soil? And that was the metaphor that let me think through the um, topic of moving to Mississippi and falling in love with a place that in some ways has a troubled history and, and needs to be considered. You know, it, it, you're, a, you're a storyteller, and I mean, I draw cartoons. I guess I'm a storyteller as well. And I've asked this question. I asked this question about McAnally, and it's kind of a chicken or an egg question. Do you think it's because we just have great stories or we have great storytellers here? Because I'm trying to figure out which one it is. And, you know, Mac just said a little bit of both. But which one do you think it is? Well, gosh, that is a hard one. I feel like the two go hand in hand. If you don't have great stories, you'll never have great storytellers and vice versa. But um, I feel like one reason why I love the South is it has a lot in common with my upbringing. Uh, I come from, you know, Irish stock originally who came over in the potato famine. And the things that I love about being Irish, the storytelling and the emphasis on family and the importance of place uh, I find here in the South very much. But in addition, there's so much great literature that comes out of Ireland and so much that comes out of the South, really our country's best literature. I think really people agree on that is Southern literature. So why is it? I think the two are historically contentious regions that still have scars and the people here have stories to tell because they need to figure things out. Faulkner said, Art comes from the human heart in conflict with itself. And I feel that the South and Ireland are places that have experienced great conflict and so have the the need and the desire to tell these stories and then the talent to tell them too. I've always said it's like a grain of sand creating beautiful pearls. You know, it's, it's the irritant, but that's what that's what ends up creating the beauty. Yeah, I can yeah, agree more. Definitely. We are having a great conversation with Beth Ann Finley, and we're going to continue that conversation. Of course, you can join in at 877-MPB-RING, or you can email me at Marshall Ramsey at uh, Marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Less I can on stranger when I go to the field and lie down in my stone. Let the deer come at dusk from the woods behind the church. And let them never lay cones off my grave. And let the kudzu blanket me, for I always love the heat. And let his hands rub out my name, for I This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Fantastic Monday, and we have a fantastic guest on. We have the Poet Laureate of the State of Mississippi, Beth Ann Finley, on. And you heard a little bit of Claire Hawley's song. She was singing about the lyrics from Beth Ann. Um, Beth Ann, I saw a video of you two together, and you were actually singing with her, and you did great. I think, <laughs> is it true that your mom wanted you to be a singer? Oh, yes, God. And I was terrible, Marshall. I was terrible. Yeah, I wanted to be a singer and an actress. And, um, you know, I, it, I, it was a, not a good career path for me. <laughs> well, it's funny because, I mean, I've met Claire, who's incredibly one of the most talented, nice people I've ever met on the planet. And um, she would never would have let me sing with her. So you can't be too terrible. You, you sounded pretty good. <laughs> that was really fun, though, when we did that gig in Oxford. And we are... Um, tossing around the idea of doing some type of collaboration also with Caroline Herring. The three of us have all kind oh, of wow. around each other artistically and um, both of those singer-songwriters are really literary and love books and, um, you know, have, you know, Caroline's written songs about Larry Brown and um, Claire's written songs about Eudora Welty and I've written pieces on Caroline and, um, have been in conversation with Claire, so we think it'd be fun sometime to get the three of us on stage together and do something. I think you've touched on why it's so awesome to live here, you know, as an artist, because you get to rub shoulders and bump with all kinds of artists that, that you probably never would ever see anywhere else in the world, but we're just like one big little little club here almost. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, let's see. I've got some good questions about your what, I mean, your inspiration for your poetry. And, of course, you got your newest book is coming out this fall, Heating and Cooling, which I cannot wait because I've heard you read bits and pieces from it. Uh, it's 52 micro-memoirs that are going to make it up, which is really kind of an interesting way to do a autobiography, yet do it in a different and really beautiful way. Um, talk about your inspiration. I mean, when you look around, what inspires you to sit down and write? Well, normally a question, a question I have about the world or my behavior or something that I see or overhear, a conversation that intrigues me. I don't write because I have something figured out. I don't write because I'm interested in the answer. I write because, um, well, you were saying earlier that that little bit of grit that makes the pearl, you know, that something's bothering me, some little irritant or um, question that I feel like I need to explain. And for me, writing is the best method of understanding the human soul. And I feel like really that's what our job is here on earth. You wrote a book with, with your husband, Tom, Tom Franklin, The Tilted World. What was that like working together? Because I, you know, I, I can only imagine what that, I mean, you two probably have a great relationship. I just can't imagine my wife and I sitting down drawing a cartoon together. Yeah, a lot of people have asked us, how did you write a novel together and stay married? Um, to be honest, Marshall, it was really fun. It just took us a long time to figure out how to do it. So before we wrote The Tilted World, which is a novel about the flood of the Mississippi River in 1927, Tommy and I had each published five books, and we had or four books, and we'd done these separate books, of course, and we were drawn to this complicated story and agreed to 
try this approach without really knowing how it would work to collaborate with each other. And I guess we were lucky because we really enjoyed it, but it took us a while to figure out how to get our mojo working. And what was interesting is at the end, we ended up writing it kneecap to kneecap in my little office, and we composed aloud sentences. I would say writing a novel with someone else does not take half the time. That was probably my biggest misconception. It pretty much took maybe twice the amount of time I thought it would, but we had a really fun time researching and writing about the flood. I was going to ask, I mean, how that worked? Because obviously you didn't do one chapter and then he did one chapter. You two were just almost like working out song lyrics. You were hashing it out all together. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we actually started trying to do the thing you just said, the logical thing. I would write it. There were two point of view characters, a female and a male. So I was going to write a chapter from the female point of view, give the book to Tommy. He was going to write the male point of view, give it back to me. And boom, 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 we were going to have it done in a year. So meanwhile, that didn't work. We just, you know, we couldn't just sync up somehow. And then um, there were lots of other delays, including a surprise third baby that came along. Congratulations. Yes. (laughs) Um, Thank you. But it finally got interesting and really, in fact, seemed like a different type of writing than we had ever done before when we were together in the same room, as, as you say, almost like hammering out song lyrics, just talking with each other and over each other and interrupting and, and um, musing aloud and then writing, 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 and then musing more. Yeah, I mean, when I was when I was reading, I was trying to find, you know, the two different voices in it, and it just really honestly turned out to be one beautifully written, cohesive, fantastic book. So, I mean, kudos to you for being able to pull that one off. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. We're proud of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you also teach. You teach poetry, nonfiction writing. You were the 2011 Humanities Teacher of the Year and the College of Liberal Arts Teacher of the Year, which means you're okay at it. I mean, you've obviously done quite well. Is that a part of it you really enjoy? Because you get to, even with your new role, you get to take poetry out to a public and teach it to them. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm really lucky, Marshall, that I, I love my job. Um, I really like working with students, and I love talking about books and introducing people to challenging books and helping them sort through the nuances and some of the naughtier, thornier issues of craft. And I like helping people figure out how to add the creativity of literature into their lives. So I do it, you know, on several different levels. At the University of Mississippi, I teach undergrads and graduate students, and those two teaching experiences are different because my undergraduates, you know, I'm mostly teaching them literature classes, you know, the American short story. At this semester, I'm teaching hybrid literature, and I'm just challenging them to deepen and expand the range of their thinking And my graduate students are coming from all over the country to earn their Master of Fine Arts degree. They're finishing a first book of poems or essays or short stories, and they're often really sophisticated and accomplished writers. And so I'm challenged to uh, not overly guide them, but provide, you know, some, some ballast and some helpful criticism that they can use to revise their writing. And then, in addition, as Poet Laureate, I do a lot of visits over the states to schools to talk with kids about writing or to read a little bit or to give them a writing assignment and um, try to get them to tap into our great Mississippi tradition of telling stories. 
I, I think you were just a natural for the Poet Laureate. I mean, you've been involved with the Poetry Out Loud initiative, and that's an NEA initiative, and that encourages high school students to to read poetry out loud. Poetry has a real oral component, doesn't it? Well, it certainly does, and I was actually just talking about this last week because we just had the Poetry Out Loud finals in Jackson, and um, I was there, of course. I've been involved, as you said, with Poetry Out Loud from the start, and I think it's an essential and really beautiful program because poetry doesn't need to be a thing that just takes place on the page. Where poetry began was song rising from the human windpipe going into the ear of another person. And I believe that the pleasure of poetry comes from its oral component to a large degree. So the idea of getting high school students to take a poem into their body so deeply that they have it memorized and that they can recite it with feeling and emotion and uh, demonstrate their understanding of it is really pretty remarkable. And there have been a lot of studies that show how powerful the art of memorizing poetry can be and that it trains your ear and it educates your emotions and it prepares you cognitively and psychically to face life's emotional challenges. So it's a program I believe in, and I'm happy that I've been able to help the Mississippi part of it. And I would imagine students, once they realize, because I remember my gateway drug to poetry was I had a teacher in high school that started with song lyrics and then went on to poetry. And it was kind of like, wow, this is like a whole new world for me, even though it was a world I was familiar with. Yeah, that's cool. We, we need more good teachers like that who help students realize that Poetry doesn't have to be a dry academic thing that they have to, you know, count out metrical beats. It can, that can be part of it, but where poetry needs to start is in hedonism, the That's pleasure right. of poetry. That's right. We've got a caller. we got Mary from Braxton who has a comment for you. Hello, Mary. Welcome to the show. Good morning. I just wanted to uh, make a comment about uh, having different homes in different parts of the United States. I count about somewhere around 10 states of, of having some uh, real pull for me. First of all, I was born in uh, northern Indiana, and uh, I think I got sand in my shoes when I was little, and I don't like to sit still very long. And I think different from, uh, I think, from people who've stayed mostly in one place. To me, there's more difference between uh, country people and city people than there are between north and south. Sorry, Mary. Thank you. That's a great call. Appreciate that. Yeah, I know... Um Beth Ann, I read like, you know, David Foster Wallace's writings about, you know, his time in the mid- Midwest and everything. And I read that and I feel like, wow, that's like another another planet. So, I mean, and, and I've lived all around, but there's just something really, truly special about this place. Well, I can't disagree there, Marshall. Yeah, definitely. Well, I tell you what, that was fantastic. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, the new book is Heating and Cooling. And I, I, I guess I should ask this. We've got a, got a second. Have you got anything you'd like to read for us? I mean, have you got anything available? Oh, um, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, um, well, we got the time. We got an hour, so I mean, just, well, you don't need to read for an hour, but if you've got something you'd like to share, that'd be wonderful. Okay. Um, yeah, I will share with you um, what I think is going to be the, the first piece in the new book, um, Heating and Cooling. So it's micro-memoirs. They're little tiny stories about my life. They're... The shortest ones are sentence, and the longest ones are 
um, you know, a couple pages. A lot of them are about a paragraph long, and it was just fun to go back into my life and, and pluck little moments, especially, like I told you, the novel about the flood of the Mississippi River really required a lot of research, and I was in the mind of characters and doing all that. So um, it was fun really just to return to my own life and my own stories after that. So um, I'll read you the first one, and it's called Married Love. In every book my husband's written, a character named Colin suffers a horrible death. This is because my boyfriend, before I met my husband, was named Colin. In addition to being named Colin, he was Scottish and an architect. So you understand my husband's feelings of inadequacy. My husband cannot build a tall building of many stories. He can only build a story and then push Colin out of it. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right. (laughs) You know, I I can draw pictures of buildings and push people out of it, too. So I I completely am with um, I'm with Tom on that one. So fantastic. (laughs) Bethann, thank you so much for joining us today. The book, of course, is Heating and Cooling. It's coming out this fall, correct? Yeah, it comes out in October. Well, I look forward to getting a copy of it and reading it. And um, I will give a little quick review when it does come out. Thank you so much. Oh, sure, Marshall. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. All right. Oh, great. Good deal. Ah, we got Maisie Brown's coming up next. 15 years old. She's probably done more in 15 years than I have in, oh, I don't know, probably will in 100 years. She's pretty amazing. Already had a TED Talk, so we'll talk with her, too. But I tell you what, if you've got any doubts about the future of this country, wait till you hear from her. She's going to be fantastic. Of course, you can give us a call at any time. It's 877-MPB-RING. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Let the cards do blanket me For I always love the heat And let his hands rub out my name For I always love affection And let the deer come at dusk From the woods behind the church let them nib all their cones off my grave Listen, Kenan, stranger This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back. It's now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, on an absolutely gorgeous Monday. Well, except for the clouds and the rain, but that's okay. It's nice out there. At least we're not getting a blizzard like the Northeast, so I'll take that. That's one of the nice perks of living in Mississippi. Sure, it'll be 109 in August, but we'll be fine right now. We're not having to shovel snow. Very, very excited about our next guest. I'll introduce her in a half second, but we do have a question of the day today. It's Women's History Month. Our question is this. Do you feel women are treated equally or do we do we or they have a long way to go? I guess uh, technically we, if I said that, might be a little awkward, but you know what I mean. Can do women have a long way to go or are they treated equally? That's our question of the day. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. I bet my wife calls in about three seconds. Three, two, one. Yeah, the phone's ringing already. She's already calling. Okay. I tell you what, folks, like I said before in the beginning of the break, um, if you're worried about the future, you're going to love this next interview because <laughs> Macy Brown is here. She's 15-year-old freshman at Jim Hill High School. She's enrolled in the International Baccalaureate Program. I can't speak English <laughs> today. She's a classically trained pianist, has re- received numerous re- awards, has been written up all over the world in USA Today, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, at 15 years old, I was, like, just worried about getting my driver's license, <laughs> and you've already done a TED Talk. So... I am humbled to, for you to be here. Thank it's nice, you. nice to talk to you. Thank so, you. And happy spring break. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so your plans this week is to sleep till noon every day, right? I'm going to get as much sleep as I can. I know. It's, school's exhausting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So uh, tell me tell me some of the classes you're taking. Um, right now I take geometry, chemistry, English, economics, inquiry skills, and technology. Inquiry skills. What's, what's that one? Inquiry skills is basically teaching you how to inquire. Basically, okay. it, it, it increases your critical thinking skills, basically. So you've got about 105 average in there right now, I'd imagine, because <laughs> you're pretty darn good at that. I, I'm doing pretty good. I'm yeah, doing good. You're, yeah. I, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm doing, doing okay. a TED Talk. So, <laughs> Well, tell us about your TED Talk. What was it about? Um, my TED Talk was basically about embrace, embracing the social media age, because now we have like a lot of older people are just like, social media is going to be... Why did you look at me when you just said that? No. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, people always look down on, like, the youth for their constant usage of social media. But actually, it's been, like, one of the best things that's ever happened to us because now we can get information over the entire world in 140 characters in 2.5 seconds. Right. So, with the incorporation of social media, you even seen, like, police... I mean, you have police stations using it to tweet out photos of missing people because so many people can get their hands on information so quickly. Right. So it was basically about just embracing us and instead of condemning us for using it, basically to teach us how to use it responsibly and how it can be used in positive ways. I, I think that's a fantastic talk and so true. And, of course, I get in trouble because I'm addicted to my phone and use social media a lot. So there are a few older folks that use it a lot, too. Right. But let me ask a real okay. quick question. Okay. Um, so you're 15, and sometimes, well, this goes for adults, too, but teenagers are not all, don't always use the best judgment when it comes to what they post on social media. Oh, the think? parents go crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because you're probably in the leading role in uh, making sure that your social media is of good brand and the things that you post are good. But what do you say to your peers about the things they post on social media i mean i have a lot of peers who post a lot of crazy things online and (laughs) it's not like they're doing it incognito it's like their first middle last name hometown high school is everything on their profile and then you look on there and there's like a big machine guns their profile picture i'm just like (laughs) when i google your name the first thing i see is guns and drug paraphernalia it's like different things like that i'm just like 
think about when you post something, do you want your future employer to see it? Because it's permanent. Ding, 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 ding. Right yeah. there. I've, I've taught social media at Jackson State and at Ole Miss. And the first thing I tell my students when I walk in the room is when I was a kid, they always used to tell me, well, that'll go on your permanent record. This is your permanent record. Because yeah. like you said, first thing employers do is they Google, Google your name. And boom. And you're right. And that's bottom another. So you're how much how receptive though are your friends when you tell them that? They don't they, they don't, don't get it. Do they, they don't believe water is wet. Like yeah. I'm just like maybe in like ten years when we're like applying to college and we're applying to different jobs and when they Google your name, they go to the images and the first thing they see is a you know, gun and drug paraphernalia and it's like right. well, you could be equal you could be as qualified as the next applicant, but if they Google you and that person has a better internet footprint then they're going to go with the person with the better internet footprint. So maybe they need to be faced with some situations where their social media accounts play a big role. Right. So if they Google you, for instance, and your TED Talk pops up, <laughs> it's like, well, I think she's got to go in yeah. here. I might just hire her. But you're right. And it's also, too, I mean, I've got a lot of friends that on Facebook, yes, we're on vacation. You know, we'll be gone for three some, weeks. And, yeah. and I always put on their message, yes, and I have your television in my living room because I just broke into your house and stole it. Yeah. You know, Some people, they feel like they need to update social media with their every Every move. Right. I know some people who are on there every other five to ten minutes. Oh, well, now I'm going to cook dinner. Now I'm going to go to bed. Oh, I just woke up. That's just narcissism. It's just like, it's weird. Yeah. And my mom was like, especially like during Christmas time, there's like a big thing where everybody posts all of their gifts under the tree yeah. two nights before. And just like, look at all this great stuff I got. And it's just like. Now you're letting everybody know what you have. Exactly. They're going to come break into your house and they're going to steal it, just like the Grinch. There you go. You know, social media, though, is really powerful. And, you know, you're you're really tuned into a lot of issues that are going on outside of just, you know, just things that affect. Well, actually, they do affect youth. Come to think of it. One of them, of course, you've been very vocal against the state flag. Why have you stood up for that? Because that's I mean, that's in the news and that people are very emotional and passionate about that. Well, at first, I didn't even know the significance of the state flag, quite honestly. It's just kind of, I think I, I don't know if I've read an article. I saw something on TV. I saw something about it, and it just made me go and do more and more research. And when I really got down to the bottom of it, I was like, am I the only one who's seen this? Like, right. why why isn't there more of a public uproar against it? Right. So I started by writing to a few legislators. I got the same response. You know, I got some Bible quotes back. Um, just different little things. And it's just like everybody keeps trying to, like, make it something it's not. And one of the things I try to point out is, I was like, you can look at the creator of the flag. Look what he said. Look what he wanted it for. Right. Stop trying to interpret it into different ways and make it something it's not. It's either this or it's not. So, I mean, it's really offensive that mm-hmm. people try to brush it under the rug and act like it's nothing. Because I like to make the comparison between um, Jewish, the Jewish people and the Nazis when they had the swastika flag. Right. And so it's like, what's the difference? They hated these people as much as they hated us and they used it to symbolize hate. So... So you've got I mean, you've got all kinds of feedback on that. That's interesting. Uh, yes, it is. I, I know every time I do a cartoon about it, I get to hear from a lot of interesting people. In fact, the day of the flag vote, which was, I guess, probably a year before you were born. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was getting death threats all day long. And then at 530, my doctor called and said, you have cancer, which was the nicest phone call I got that day. So that was kind of nice. So I, I completely understand on that. You've been featured in the Jackson Free Press and you've been interviewed by the associate. Associated Press, USA Today, and The Guardian overseas. Yeah. How does that feel? It was 
was really, really weird. Okay, so I was invited by the actress Anjanou Ellis mm-hmm. to come up to D.C. Um, to speak at the U.S. Capitol for a rally they were having up there. And so um, I'm talking, I'm talking. I get done talking to this guy. He just runs up to me. He was like, what's your name? Yeah. And I was like, Macy. And he was like, well, I'm from the USA today. And I love And I was just like, I looked at my like, mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I looked at my mom and she was like. Go talk to him. Go talk to him. So yeah. I was like, okay, okay. And so then another person comes and he was like, well, I'm from the Associated Press. Here's my card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this other, I know, I was in Jackson when the Guardian, I guess a man was here. He was like, well, um, over at the Guardian UK, we like to have a segment just for the Southern United States. And so this is one of the stories he's going to do for the Southern United States. Can I please talk to you? And I was just like, sure. Have at it. So, I mean, it's really crazy when you can, like, Google your name, do, like, yeah. USA Today pop stuff. It's just like, oh, that's nice. See, she's already she's already set for life. She's yeah. got a better Google than probably Sharita and I both together. Yes, guaranteed. Macy, yeah. I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned your mom, and uh, I think you have your dad here with yeah. you today. But what has been the influence of your parents? Uh, I mean, because some of what you're doing, you're talking about the state flag, that's an, an area of activism that the average 15-year-old is not doing. So who who is inspiring you? Like, who, you know, where are you getting this discipline from and this desire to be an activist? Um, really, my mom, she always tells me, I don't know where you get that from, because my mom is like a little more reserved and she's like more quiet. So she was like, I don't know where you get this big burst of you have your mind set on exactly what you want to do. And I think I don't really I mean, my parents inspire me. They inspire me to work hard and want the best for myself. But I really look to like leaders of the past Mm -hmm. and to see the obstacles that they had to go through to get what they wanted, it kind of inspires me since I feel like it's a lot easier for me to express my opinions now and to work for what I want now. So I guess just seeing the seeing the struggle of people from the past and all the obstacles they had to go to and to see all these obstacles are basically broken down for me, I guess I'm just like, why not? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting just from my, my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old sons, they come walking in in the morning and they know more what's going on than I do in the morning because they got Snapchat filters on different right. news sources and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. All right. Let's take a quick break. That'd be great. And we got a question of the day as well. So we will pull that out as well. Do you feel that women are treated equally or do they have a long way to go? I'll say they because I'm a male the last time I checked. So everything's, you know, that works perfectly. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING or you can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. We'll continue the conversation with Macy Brown. This is, well, just a second. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or email marshall at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. 
Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Uh, question day is this. In honor of Women's History Month, do you feel that women are treated equally or do we have a long way to go? I feel like that women have come a long way and there in some areas there still is a lot of work to be done. So yeah. that's just my observation as being a husband, a brother of two sisters, um, having a mom and so forth and seeing their things that they're having to deal with. And, of course, Sharita, you get to deal with it every single day. Yeah, it's been interesting for me in Because you're breaking into a really tough business, the comedy business. Yeah, just being in entertainment, period. You know, yeah. being a drummer since 18 and walking in the room and having a pair of drumsticks in my hand and somebody says to me, oh, you can't play. And I'm like, why would you say that? You know, that, that kind of doubt is not even cast on men. So it's the same thing being a comedian. There is, like, automatic doubt before I even open my mouth, before I even play a note. So that's something to me that I think definitely needs some progression. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a field where it's like 99.99% male editorial cartoonists. But the two, the women that are in it are fantastic and are, are, are wonderful. And it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, I wish like you could recruit more <laughs> sisters to come and do this on this. Sharita, since you're on the mic right now, I told Macy's just a second ago that she needed to talk to you after the show. Because you know what? She'd be honest with you. Uh, could learn a few things. Have you got any advice for her? Because, I mean, you know, you said 18 oh. is when you first started dr- drumming. And you're yeah. very driven and you're very professional. And you'd like, you know, you too. And I feel like I'm looking at her in maybe about 10 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think Macy is already on a good path because she has integrity. And that well, yeah, is, and I just met her dad. She's yeah, on a good path. Yeah, her dad <laughs> is, is in here with me. Yeah, he's so, a rock star. Uh, listen to your parents. Uh, my mother was a very strong influence. Um, and, you know, it's it tough. still is. Yeah, and it's tough being a, a teenager. You think you, you know everything. You kind of want to yeah. be grown. But, you know, <laughs> take the advice of your parents because they've been there and done that and they have wisdom. Um, and also just, just have integrity in everything that you do. You know, think before you act, especially with the age of social media because once you put something out there it's out there um, but also be true to who you are you know if you feel passionate about things like the state flag or whatever it is um, be be true to who you are be vocal about it and you know like you said you, you said that knowledge is power and you are exactly right yeah. Yeah. because nothing can take that away from you you know we live in an age where women are worshipped and praised because of their bodies but your brain is what matters yeah. Yeah, so, and, and yes. never ever 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 allow anybody to discount your opinion because of your age right because you know what because we need to be listening to your opinion because you're the future right yeah so i mean that's that's a huge part of it and speaking of future too i love this fun family fact here your mom your dad your aunt your grandmother all attended jackson state university so where are you going to college Um, no pressure (laughs) i've encountered that question a lot and um i think i want to go to an hbcu yeah that's definitely at the top of my list and i think the hbcu that's really been pulling my attention has been howard university in Mm. washington dc oh my god your dad just fell out of his chair (laughs) (laughs) and i've really been looking at howard especially because of the location and a lot of the connections that they have to different news stations and newspapers and all that type of stuff because the guy that interviewed me from the Associated Press, he was also like the editor-in-chief of Howard's newspaper. Yeah. So it's different connections like that, especially I want to get into politics, so I figure why not be in the capital of politics That's when I'm true. trying to work on that. That's true. Um, you're going to be in the Miss Mississippi pageant. Congratulations. Yeah, I was in the Miss Mississippi's Outstanding Team pageant. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Very did good. you win that one? Yeah. I was in the top 10. Okay. So. Excellent. I, better than I did. Yeah. There you go. Right there. Was piano your, your talent? It was my yeah. talent. Yeah. 
So what's your what's your platform? Because, you know, most of those pageants, you have to have a platform. My platform was incorporating the performing arts into public schools. And since um, from fourth grade until eighth grade, I was in the power APEC program oh, yeah. down there um, by Murrah. And really the performing arts helped shape the type of academic student I was, too, because being able, especially for my peers, ones who are more artistically inclined, um, one who, people who are into theatrics, one people who are into musical instruments, that really kept them focused and gave them an outlet, especially to actually enjoy going to school. And it really, really the discipline that you learn from being a classically trained or any type of trained musician, you can apply that to everyday life. And you find yourself just being more disciplined and focused in all ways. So I feel like every child in Mississippi should at least have the option to be involved in some type of performing art because that may be the reason that something's not right. It's amazing how much math has helped my son's music ability, and his right. music ability has helped his math, for instance. Right. I mean, that's a great example. I mean, you that. can look at, like, basic principles of music when you have, like, half notes, quarter notes, eighth notes. You can really, like, relate that to, like, fractions. So maybe this child learning musical notes and different values could help them mathematically with a concept that they can't necessarily grasp like You can that. continue to pursue the music? It's definitely been something... I mean, I don't know if I want to pursue a career in it, but it's definitely a talent that I will forever keep up. It's always fun at a party, right? <laughs> definitely. Mozart definitely exactly. turns the party up. It really does. There you go. <laughs> See, I mean, even I knew that. So there you go. Who says I'm out of touch? What are you going to study? Public policy? Public policy or yeah. political science. I think you'll do great at that. Definitely. So. Well, we, we definitely have a very interesting political climate right now for <sighs> you to learn from. And I'll be honest, because the political climate has been so entertaining, I think yeah. more people have been interested in it than ever yeah. before. I feel like this is like the most, especially for my peers. Yeah. Well, because we've had Obama for like ever. So he's mm -hmm. like the only president I really, really knew. <laughs> and so, you know, four years ago, we were still young. We weren't really into the whole political scene thing. But now it's just like everybody's just like, oh, Donald Trump this, oh, this, this, this. <laughs> People I knew who during the Obama administration didn't even, didn't know one secretary off the top of their head, but now they know every single one because they're like, well, I heard on the news this morning that this, yeah. you know. Whatever I, it takes. Everybody's engaged. Yeah. That's I awesome. I think it's great. I do too. I love it. I do too. How can people follow you on social media? Um, They can follow my Twitter handle, which is my name, Macy Brown, JXN, um, and my Facebook, which is Macy Brown, and my Instagram, Macy Brown, JXN. And on there, you're probably going to see a lot of... um. Trump prints or, okay. you know. Hey, she's speaking her mind. That's a good thing. Very good. I, I did that at 15, but it was more like the food and being mad about no parking and stuff like that. So you are way ahead of me. You start drawing, let me know. I'll get you a gig as an editorial cartoonist. Okay. I think you'd be good at that, too. I think so. Macy, it's so. been a pleasure. You too. All right. Well, I tell you what, another great show in the can. We got one. thank Sharita for producing it as wonderfully as you know, keeping me between the buoys. Great job. One well, thank Beth Ann Finley for joining us as well. And, of course, Macy Brown. Fantastic. Look out for her. She's going to have a bright, bright future ahead of us. This is a production of MPB Think Radio. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. All right. I'll see you all later. Have a great week and enjoy your spring break.